us. This is January. Today is the, it's the month of the holy name of Jesus. This is a Terry and Jesse show. I'm reporting for duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, I'm reporting for duty. And uh, every day I get a chance to talk to people about Jesus Christ is a good day. And uh, that's what we get to do here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. In spite of anybody saying that this is not appropriate, we're going to continue to preach Christ and Him crucified. That's right. Uh, Terry, lots to talk about today. Yeah. We're going to be talking about um, is uh, Cardinal Pell, he released a letter. A oh, little, yeah. And so we're going to talk about the, the letter that he released. Mm-hmm. We're also going to be talking about um, uh, Archbishop George Genswan. Yes. Uh, he's been told to leave, so we'll look at that. Yeah, hospitality uh, is not uh, a characteristic at the Vatican right now. We should have had a Benedictine. You know, the Benedictines have a no- have known for hospitality, but not, not the Vatican right now, Jess. Yeah, and then at the end, we have oh, a video a at the video. end from Edify. Yeah. It's a great video. It's called Roe is Gone. We'll play the video, and uh, Terry and me, have, we have a lot of comments oh, yeah. about, about that Roe is Gone. Oh, yeah. Hey, but, Jesse, go ahead, Terry. before we uh, – I got a, a news story that I think – Tomorrow our show will be appropriate, but I'm going to tell it anyway because it really surprised me that in one of the malls, this is on the Daily Mall, Mail, DailyMail.com news, uh, a man was wearing a T-shirt that said, Jesus saves. Oh, that's right. You heard about it. And then the, the guard, I'm watching the video. The guy says, we're getting people that are complaining about your T-shirt. You, gotta, you can't be shopping here unless you get rid of that shirt. And I thought, has that time come? Where and I'm going to quote Saint Anthony later, the great, a monk feast day today. That uh, that day has come where, uh, when we share the gospel with our culture, they're going to c- tell us that we're crazy. But you know what, folks, we're fools. Yeah, Saint Paul, fools for Christ. That's what, who we are. So that's one of the news stories that I just wanted to bring that up because it makes me more motivated to want to share the gospel when I hear things like that. Jess. Yeah, I agree with you. Terry, and for me, the quote of the day, here's, you'll like this quote. Good. It's on, on the power of the sacrament of confession. It's from Monsignor John Essef. He's the oldest oh, exorcist in the United States. He's 95 years old. <laughs> here's what he said about confession. He says, quote, If people want to increase the work of Satan, they should increase the use. Uh, no, if, if people want to decrease, yeah. Oh, decrease, yeah, decrease the work of Satan, Go to confession. Got it. they should increase the use of confession. Makes sense to me. Monsignor John S.F. Jesse, not only Father, other exorcists said, isn't the greatest thing we can do to fight evil is to confess our sins in the sacrament of confession. Yep. Uh, living in a state of sanctifying grace is the greatest protection yep. that you can do against the diabolical. And, that's, and people, I get phone calls and emails every day. And I just, the first question I ask or I email, I said, are you living in a state of sanctifying grace? And then I let, let, lay out a couple things, mm-hmm. like the precepts of the church, the six precepts. Sure. Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, when you, once you start living the, the, the precepts of the church, uh, trust me, all this is going to go away. It's going gonna, it's gonna to melt like snow in a hot summer day. <laughs> that's a good analogy. Yeah, and then people say, oh, I didn't know. So, yeah, Terry, that's why, that's why we're on VMPR, because yeah. we're, just, we're just trying to provide a service, because uh, our bishops are supposed to teach, govern, and sanctify, but oftentimes it's, it, it's not happening in some places, so we, the B team has to show up. Exactly. We're, we're the B team. And that's what Fulton Sheen said back in the early 70s. <laughs> Who's going to save the church? It's the lay people. The B that's, team. Yeah, the B team, and I'm happy to acquiesce because 
I, I feel like this is a calling from God to stand up for the truth in an age that acts like God doesn't exist. Yeah, I agree. All right, yeah. brother. What, that, hey, what about the gospel today, Jesse? Yes. Yeah, so okay, food, let's brother. speak, Lord. Your servants yeah, I hear are you listening. Jesus on this one. Yeah. Right, good one. You're gonna, you, yeah. Um, Mark chapter 2, verse 23 right. and following. As Jesus was passing through a field of grain mm-hmm. on the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath uh, is Saturday, and that's when the Jews worshiped God, according to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. His disciples began to make a path while picking the heads of grain. At this, the Pharisees said to him, Look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you, have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he and his companions were hungry? How he went into the house of, of God, when Abiathar was high priest and ate the bread of, of offering that only the priest could lawfully eat and shared it with his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is why the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath, Amen. the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. What's, what's the primary intention of the Sabbath is the need to have a right relationship with God not to make our life complicated that's the primary intention of the Sabbath is so that we can enter into a covenant relationship with God now having said that here's where the Pharisees kind of miss it is that human needs have precedence over ritual that's what Jesus is teaching here let's say it again that human needs have precedent over ritual. And in other words, yes, God gave us the laws. He gave us the Ten Commandments. The laws are meant to train us in righteousness. But the law is meant to lead us to God. It's not the other way around. God doesn't lead us to the law. Right. The law leads us to God. That's St. Paul's argument in the New Testament. And, and by following the law... It's supposed to lead us to God who becomes the center of our life. God is the center of our life, not the law. The law is a vehicle so that we can make God the center of our life and we can enter into a covenant relationship with God. And and something also interesting about uh, this uh, the Sabbath, this verse today, mm-hmm. or this passage today. Dr. Scott Hahn in his series of the, on the book of Revelation, he says that, Man and beast were created on the sixth day, the day before the Sabbath. And he says that a man who refuses to bend his knee and worship God on the Sabbath reduces himself or, 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 or becomes or takes on a beast-like existence and starts acting like the beast on the sixth day. And so he says the problem with America is that uh, again, for us, the Sabbath, the New Testament Sabbath is very clear from, from the New Testament. It's Sunday. It's the day of the resurrection. But the point is that if we don't give God one out of seven days as he's asked us to, we remain in that beast-like state hmm. by not worshiping God, by not adoring God. This is what this is what forms our intellect. This is what ge- directs our will. This is what gives us uh, that renewed mind, purity of thought, custody of the intellect. Hmm. It's is that entering into that relationship with God on the seventh day, and for us as Catholics, it's like a supernova because we receive the Eucharist, God Himself. 
But a person who doesn't, Terry, who's a secular humanist and doesn't give God, you know, daily prayer yep. and, and give him the seventh day of adoration and worship, like we Catholics do at the Holy Mass, he, he starts living his life like a beast in a six-day six existence. Well said. I want to give a shout-out for St. Anthony the Abbot. Uh, this is his feast day. He was a monk. He lived to be 105 years old, Jesse. Yeah. Unbelievable. He retired into the desert where he was 18 years old, right? He was the first abbot to form a stable rule for his community of monks dedicated to the service of God. He was renowned for spiritual direction, prompting many people to travel to the desert to seek his advice. Monsignor told us at Mass there were 7,000 souls that he had under his spiritual direction. 7,000 souls? My gosh! How did he do Well, here's the kicker. Here's something that I want to bring up with St. Anthony. Uh, and it's because of Fulton Sheen. So let's bring Fulton Sheen into the picture here. Okay. The smartest guy in the room. Fulton Sheen ahead. He's with St. Anthony, I call the great Christian monk. And they're talking about our time here down on planet Earth. And St. Anthony says to Bishop Sheen, it's a quote he said back in the third century. He said this prophetically, a time is coming, Jess, when men will go mad. And when they see someone who's not mad, they will attack him, saying, you are mad. You are not like us. You mean like that young man who was wearing the T-shirt that said Jesus saves? They're going to attack him because he's talking about Jesus Christ? Yep, you're, you see, the time has come, Jesse, where we are going to have to pay a price for our faith, even in America, supposedly being the land of the free. Not when it comes to proclaiming Jesus Christ. Many times we are going to be going to have to be persecuted and even go to jail, I predict also. Yeah, Terry, St. Anthony, uh, he was a, a fourth century monk. Uh, he was known for his dedication to fasting and prayer. Yep. And uh, St. Athanasius, the bishop of Alexandria. He wrote the story on him, right? Yeah, he, yeah, he wrote the story on him. Here's, here's what he said about him in one sentence. He says, <laughs> when we visited St. Anthony in the ruins where he lived, yeah. we heard a commotion, thousands of voices and, and clashes of arms. Oh, my God. Also at night, wild beasts would come, mm -hmm. and the saint fought them off with prayer. So, wow! Yeah, he was known again, kind of like the, you know before. Saint Father Pio, two, the, you know, fifteen hundred years before. Yeah, uh, he would uh, demons would come and attack him, and uh, they would beat him, they would claw at him, and he would fight back with prayer and with faith. And so, yeah, Saint Anthony was a, a, a spiritual warrior already ba back in the third and fourth century, and again. Why does God allow this to happen? God allows this to happen to show us, for us as an example, that we as Catholics, when we get knocked down by temptation or by the evil one, we're called to get back up and Amen. face our fears and face our demons and continue fighting the good fight like St. Anthony. Well said. I always say, when you fall down, I only have one question. Did you get up? Hey, when we come back, a bombshell for Cardinal Pell. He's preaching from the grave. What do I mean by that? Yeah. A respected Vatican journalist is revealing the author of the 2022 bombshell memorandum. We're going to go through that. Advice to our leaders in our church. Outstanding. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. <laughs> hey, Jess, I just got to tell you, brother, in between breaks, I get people coming out of our church, knocking on the door here, wanting to see me, ask a quick question. I, I mean, you know what I laugh about, Jess? 
they, they, people just are a magnet to come to our chapel for Holy Mass, for adoration, for confession. Wow. And it just makes me happy to be a link. That's why I stay in California, Jesse, for that very yeah. reason. No, Terry, I'm telling you, I've told you before, <laughs> uh, you're needed there. Not everybody's needed there, but no. you're definitely needed there. You're, uh, you're, you're just fulfilling the spiritual needs of so many people, especially with that chapel, yeah. which uh, it was just a... a the gift of the Holy Spirit exactly. to illuminate your mind to, to purchase it years yeah. ago. Cause had it not been for that chapel, I can see said, okay, I'm gone. But oh, I that, would have been gone in a minute. Yeah. But, but God needs you there. And I've told you that yeah. as much as I'd like to see you somewhere else. Uh, and even here, <laughs> the, the Lord needs you there. And I'm I totally, you. I totally understand I, it. I hear it. All right. Yeah. I just, I just had to share that because it, and when I get out at 12 noon, I got someone else at the chapel. Come on in, make a visit. Do pray. <laughs> I just, I, this is why the passion when it comes to evangelization, Jesse, for us here at the Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we have our center here. People are coming all day long for spiritual nourishment, for getting answers yeah, right. for the blessed sacrament, yep. for the sacraments. But I just, I just got to say, let's shift gears into Cardinal uh, Pell, I, I believe he's preaching from the grave when we, yes. we read this. Go ahead. This uh, respected Vatican journalist is revealing, revealing that the author of a 2022 bombshell internal memorandum sent to the Vatican Cardinals was none other than now deceased Cardinal George No surprise, Pell. Jesse. On Wednesday, Sandro Magister yep. reported that the signator mm-hmm. of the so-called Demos Memo was the late Australian Cardinal George Pell, who died unexpectedly on January 10th. Uh, Sandro Magister declared that Pell was the author of that memorandum signed Demos, very critical of Francis Pontificate, which circulated among the cardinals last spring in view of a future conclave published by an Italian paper. The document clearly written by someone with insider knowledge of the Vatican. Oh, yeah circulated among the College of Cardinals during the 2022 Lenten season. Cardinal Pell's missive begins with strong words about the current state of the church. He says, quote, Commentators from every school, though for different reasons, with the possible exception of Father Spadaro, S.J., agree that this pontificate is a disaster. I agree. In many or more respects, a catastrophe. Terry, you and me have been saying that oh, for, for years and I'm, now. And, and not only have we say it, we're also praying for the Holy Father oh, yeah. to I, confirm yeah, us yeah. in our faith. We don't just yeah. say it without praying for him. We say it and pray it. Ex- and pray say it and pray it. Keep, yeah, yep. yeah. The memo went on to briefly detail many of the largest issues the next pope must seek to resolve. Yeah. Describing the role of a pope as a great source and cause of world unity. Previously, the motto was Roma locuta causa finita est. Rome has spoken. The cause is over. Today, it is Roma locitur confusio agetur, which means Rome speaks, confusion grows. Sorry to say it's true. Cardinal Pell actually said this. Spot on. Yeah, in his missive. Yeah. And he also, Cardinal Pell also criticized the fact that the German Synod yeah. speaks of homosexuality, of women priests, of communion for the divorced. The memo continues on the theme of papal clarity by addressing the confusion of the ongoing German synodal path. Heterodox, 
and, and pro-homosexual Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich and the persecution of traditional Catholics are given as examples yep. in Cardinal Pell's missive. He also says the following, quote, The German Synod speaks of homosexuality, of, uh, of women priests, of communion for the divorced, and the papacy is silent. That's loud. Cardinal Hollerich rejects Christian teaching on sexuality, and the papacy is silent. Sad. These are the words of Cardinal Pell, by the yeah. way. No, he's spot on. And yeah. just this is du- this is doubly significant because the cardinal is explicitly a heretic. He doesn't use code words or innuendo. It's because he's getting this to his brother cardinals. You see, they're the ones who are going to be looking in the conclave for the next pope. And so he's giving them advice to say, guys, for the last 10 years, it's been a disaster. Let's let's change the, sh- the, the trajectory of the ship. That's what he's saying to he's me. Trying to use, he's trying to use his influence. And that, I, and, I'm and glad he good. is. And he's, yeah. and he's very influential because not only, Jesse, I mean, this guy was a massive man, about six foot four, big man, and very athletic in his time. And he's very intimidating also. I've, you know, like I said, I've had many... Uh, touts with him and, and, and good things. But I, I, I just know this, that I was saddened when I heard about his death because I thought, man, this is just what the church needs. But in the providence of God, this might be just exactly the switch that's going to turn the church back and say, wait a minute, we've been going in the wrong direction, guys. Yeah, you're right. Maybe uh, maybe this is some, it. Maybe some of these people are going to take his letter seriously. Yeah. He says, you know what? Cardinal Pell is speaking truth to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not, Cardinal Pell now goes on to talk about a church with a synodal face. This is unbelievable. Go ahead. He's, another point raised in the memo, yeah. Cardinal Pell's memo, is the seeming lack of Christocentrism in Rome, citing as, as, an, as an example the Pachamama idol incident. He said this, quote, Sometimes Rome even seems confused about the importance of a strict monotheism, alluding to a certain broader concept of divinity, not quite pantheism, but as a variant of Hindu pantheism, close quote. The document also goes on into many examples of different Vatican financial issues. Jesse, before we go there, that one sentence here, we want to explain to our listeners about when he says, sometimes Rome even seems confused about the importance of strict monotheism, alluding to a certain broader concept of divinity, not quite pantheism, but as a variant of Hindu pantheism. This is what the Pachamama is an example of, Jesse. This is not Christ-centered. Yes. It's, 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 this is the error. And I think, uh, you know, for those who don't think this was a problem, it's a problem. We're supposed to be centered on the person of Jesus Christ. There is no one else. And that's also when, when the Pope went to Canada and spoke to these indigenous uh, Indians over there, indigenous people in Canada. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, there was, I think he put on a headdress, one of their headdresses or something. Yeah. And I, and, and I get, I get the thing of trying to, be you know, um, be friendly with the people. But the thing about I'm it is, not going to wear a pagan head. No, of course not, because no, that's misrepresenting I, I'll, I'll our talk faith. To them, and of I'll talk course. to them about Jesus exactly. But I'm not going to wear their silly satanic headdress. And that's and I'll tell you what the problem is: is that message goes out to all of the lay Catholics and even non-Catholics. All religions are get, the same. Exactly. Syncretism, Jesse. That's the yeah. word that came to my mind while I was reading this. Yeah. Continue. Yeah, the document also goes into many different examples of Vatican financial examples. The Vatican is estimated to have lost 217 million euros yeah. on the Sloan Avenue building in London. Mm-hmm. In the 1980s, the Vatican was forced to shell out 
$230 million after the Banco Ambrosiana scandal due to inefficiency and corruption, and the Vatican has lost at least another 100 million euros in the last 25 to 30 years, and probably several more, perhaps 150 to 200 million. And Jesse, if I can jump in, yeah. this is money that people have donated to the church. Wow. Okay, wow. I'm, I mean, the money's not as important as the morality, but it's still an injustice of what's going on with the Vatican inside. And we have to pray that they will be more accountable with the donations they get from the faithful. Yeah, I know this, uh, that the Vatican has had financial problems since the papacy of Pope Paul VI. Yes. It's, in, it's docu- well documented in the book uh, Infiltration That's by right. Taylor Marshall. That's right. Uh, the, the article says, both the declining political influence of the church and the lack of support for Catholics in countries of persecution were also highlighted as significant problems. Uh, yeah, the re- I, I, here's my take. The reason Pope Francis and the Vatican has been silent of the Chinese communist persecution against real Catholics in China is because the Vatican receives a lot of money from the CCP. Yeah, like a billion dollars is what Church Militant I, was quoting. Yeah, I got. there's an article here that I have here. It says this, Vatican-China sellout, Pope Francis receives $2.5 billion dollars oh from communist China Stay every quiet. year. Yeah. Okay? Yep. And and guess who's the one that brokered that deal? Disgrace Theodore McCarrick. Yep. The article says the memo the Cardinal Pell's memo states decisions and policies are often politically correct, but there have been serious failures to uphold human rights in Venezuela, Hong Kong, mainland China, now Russia and the Russian invasion. The Vatican's political prestige is now at a low ebb. It is for me. Cardinal yeah, absolutely. Cardinal Pell wrote about the dangers of the German synodal path. The memo also outlines a primary task that the next, next pope must undertake to steer the church back in the right direction. The first task of the new pope is the restoration of normality, yep. the restoration of doctrinal clarity in faith and morals, the restoration of proper respect for law, and the guarantee that the first criterion for the appointment of bishops is the acceptance of apostolic tradition. <laughs> Another important job of the future pontiff will be to fix the mess of the synodal process, especially in Germany, Last October, Cardinal Pell wrote about the dangers of the German synodal path. Uh, yeah, in a, in a posthumous in a posthumous article for the Spectator, Cardinal Pell blasted the synodal process. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord. Let your perpetual light shine upon him. And, May Cardinal Pell rest in peace. And I just want to thank Cardinal Pell as church militant guy, uh, because I'm still on the planet. But I but for him to write this. Is I almost had a, a dream, yeah, like a dream of someone. But he the planned next, on being alive when he wrote this. Exactly, no God, and I really do believe that the importance of this letter is magnified by his death. And people are saying, "Wow, did you hear this? This cardinal who died suddenly, and uh, he had this thing." And I, I'm just going to mention one more thing about his death, Jesse. I'm still waiting. Uh, we might wait weeks before For the, the autopsy because. I, I'm not going to be surprised if some funny business was going on there. That's all I'll say, Jess. It's been known to happen. In politics and religion, this is known to happen. Yep. I just want to mention that, uh, you know, the synod is the great reset of the of the Catholic Church. That's yep. what it is. Yep. Any bishop not objecting to the synod is causing serious scandal. I agree. And I'm glad that Cardinal Pell objected to the synod. Only 1% of Catholics were surveyed. And non-Catholics and anti-Catholics were surveyed as well for the synod. That's right. This synod is a total fraud, Terry. Yep. And, the and, church synods are being used to politicize the Catholic Church and to use her presence on all five continents 
to implement an anti-human left-wing agenda. And Jesse, our Anglican converts to the faith have told us in articles that this is exactly how the Anglican Church exploded when they started doing the same thing that we're doing. So we're following their bad example, and I just hope and pray we can stop this with our prayers and our sacrifices, and also calling our priests to be more accountable, our bishops, our priests, our our pope, everybody. This is what Fulton Sheen's asking us to do. We're not doing anything more than just saying, please give us the perennial teachings of the church. Don't start, you know, compromising like other uh, Christian denominations like the Anglicans did. Look what had happened with them. That's my point, Jess. Yeah, the, the synods are nothing more but modernism rearing its ugly head. This is the spirit of Vatican II modernism. And they want to bake this into the soul of the church. And we're not going to let them. Amen. And that's why we can still say we're too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. And if hope was money, we'd be billionaires. Stay with us, family. Get right back. We're back, Jeff. Yep. We're talking. We're talking here on a, on a topic about Cardinal Pell released a secret memo. Yeah, he didn't think he was going to die, so he was he was re- willing to face Pope Francis and take the heat uh, for writing this memo because he's basically pointing things out yep. that the Francis papacy has done wrong, from financial scandals to doctrinal scandals, uh, and so. This man, he was willing to take the heat, but the Lord called him home. He he, he died. This memo's been released. And here's here's my f- parting comments regarding this topic, Terry. Here's, mm-hmm. here's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to blame the financial scandals on Pope Francis because oh. Taylor Marshall documents them all the way back to Pope Paul VI. That's right. So that, that I'm going to be fair there. Sure. But I will say the way he's handled... Uh, the Chinese communist and the money that he's receiving from them, I think Pope Francis has discredited the Vatican geopolitically far more than any pope in my lifetime. I mean, uh, we've been discredited in the eyes of the world. Yes, we have. Uh, Another thing that I would say reading this article is that we are in dire need of another Pope Leo the Great, another St. Pius V, another St. Pius X. Exactly. We are in dire need of somebody of that caliber, Terry. And Jesse, continue. And I got my comments. And, we'll and, and, and here's the last thing that I'll say. Yeah. For the past three and a half decades, we had a pretty good holy tag team. Not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Only Jesus and Mary. Yep. But he had, we had a perfect, a, a pretty good holy tag team of John Paul II yep. and Benedict XVI. Yep. And I think both of them you know, they would admit that they were young modernists at, at the council. Uh, they 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 had, they were more on the left, but uh, they saw through the errors of the '60s, and they had this resurgence and embrace orthodoxy. And I think that they worked feverishly uh, to rout out modernism, which which again it it came it came under the name of the spirit of Vatican II. I think John Paul II and Pope Benedict, both of them did what they could to fight the spirit of Vatican II. But the Synod and the participants, that's exactly what they're appealing to right now. Yes. It's the spirit of Vatican II. And so uh, 
as Catholics, we can't lower the bar. To say the spirit of Vatican II is to lower the bar to, right. and to basically, you know, accept mortal sin and, you know, living together without the benefit of a, you know, a blessing LGBT unions. This is just wrong. What I see in these synods, we see modernism rearing its ugly head. And that's what Cardinal Pell called out from the grave. Now he's still calling it out. And, and the spirit of Vatican II is nothing but a synonym for modernism and the Catholic left, they see this is our chance right here through these synods. We want to bake modernism into the soul of the Catholic Church and make it permanent. Well said, Jesse. I just have to add this to it, that Cardinal Pell sent this memo to other cardinals, I believe, to influence them. Because what's happened in the last 10 years, which hadn't happened before, the Pope would usually call his cardinals in for meetings and, and senates where the cardinals would actually come, meet each other, and there'd be a small group of a 150 cardinals with the Pope. They'd discuss the problems of the church, and the cardinals were very open to say, Holy Father, here's what we need to do. Well, the Pope hasn't done that, okay? So they, they don't, these other cardinals, they don't even know each other. All these cardinals, when they come together for the conclave soon, most likely we have a Pope who's 86 years old, on Sunday on the Angelus, he made a comment that the media is thinking that he's going to retire. <clears throat> and I'll say it today, all right? And if I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. Pope uh, Francis said on Sunday at the Angelus talk that there comes a time when you need to step aside when it's your time and that serves the church. Well, I would be interested to see if uh, the 11th of February, like Benedict did, if he would step down. But if he doesn't, I understand. But the point I'm making is Pell is trying to influence the cardinals for a future conclave to say, look, guys, uh, there's an elephant in the room. Guys, the, the emperor has no clothes on. Guys, wake up. Let's look what's happened in the last 10 years. All these things have gone on. We need to go back to our roots. We need to go back to the fundamentals of the Catholic faith and not continue in this direction. I'm out of here. I die. I'm dead. But the point of it is, this to me was his last testimony to try to influence Holy Mother the Church to look at what the needs of the church are. That's my take, Jess. Yep. They, uh, as they, as, as recording artists call their last uh, words, they'll call it, that's my swan song. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a, that was a swan song. Let's change gears over to uh, Pope Francis asked Archbishop George Ganswine. <laughs> he was the secretary. He didn't of, ask him. He, yeah, he asked him for a meeting, but he told him where he's going. Go ahead. Yeah. He said, pack up and leave by February 1st. Exactly. Okay. And, and don't let the door hit you on the way out. Okay. Good. Yeah. So it's very interesting that the German weekly paper, Dizit, has published the news that the Pope wants the former personal secretary, Benedict XVI, far away from the Vatican. With no assignment. Have you noticed that, Jess? Yeah, that's what he does to all the people that he doesn't like. He doesn't give them an assignment. He just lets them linger out in, in, in just the twilight zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Father Dave Nix was, we were talking about that last night. On Monday, the Holy Press Office announced that the Pope received Ganswine in private audience. Although the content of that conversation is unknown, several media outlets report that the Archbishop was recalled earlier Saturday by Cardinal Secretary of State Pietro Perlin, another uh, corrupt prelate, and Pope Francis. Thus, rumors that the criticism of the Pope's gossip during Sunday's Angelus was directed at Ratzinger's former personal secretary are gaining even more strength. Yeah, Terry, that's what the left does. The, the left will gaslight you. Oh, yeah. 
And and that's what they're doing to to Genswine. They're beginning to gaslight him in order to discredit him of course, and his book. upcoming book. Yeah, the truth, nothing but and, the truth. Yeah, in May two, 2015, the English journalist Austin Ivory, who's he's a man of the left, he published a biography of Francis focused on his years in Argentina under the title The Great Reformer, Francis' Portrait of a Radical Pope. Here's what uh, Justin Ivory sa- yep. writes in his book. Mm-hmm. He says that Bergoglio accused Garcia Mata of defaming him in a report the provincial had sent to Rome. The report was secret, but one of the consultants had informed Bergoglio, while Garcia Mata felt threatened by the popularity the, the new bishop enjoyed among the younger Jesuits. Austin Ivory states that he wanted him to leave, and Bergoglio said he has to notify him officially. Garcia Mata <laughs> then wrote to Colvinbach, who supported his decision, the Jesuits' general letter, let, letter was left in Bergoglio's room, and Garcia Mata received a written, written reply from Bergoglio informing him of his departure. Now, history repeats itself. Yeah, what goes around comes around. With a common protagonist, but on the opposite side of history. Mm-hmm. The most striking thing, coincidence or not, are the years that have passed between one story and the other. 33 years from when, in 1990, Bergoglio was forced to leave the Jesuit residence to the year 2023, when Francis now orders Ganswine to leave his home in the Vatican. From this story, one can draw the conclusion of the parallelism between what Bergoglio suffered and what just happened to Ganswine. But in this situation, when someone suffers a grievance, one can act in two ways, either to repeat it with others or to spare others out of compassion, knowing what it is to have suffered from the wisdom of personal experience. In this case, Francis seems to have opted for the first option and does not want to to spare Archbishop Ganswine what the Jesuit provincials did to him in Argentina 33 years ago. Well said, Jesse. Well said. And and again, what goes around comes around. And I'm going to say that that book, I, I know a friend, well, Father Fessio read the book, Nothing But the Truth, in, uh, in uh, German. And uh, when it comes into English, I'm sure we're all going to want to get a copy of it. But the bottom, the bottom line is, uh, when you get uh, kicked out, I mean, this, this has happened, Jesse, with Mother uh, Magdalena back in 1958 when Pope Pius XII died. Uh, they don't keep the old people in quickly. They get them out. And so this is happening for us now. And again, we need to be praying for Holy Mother the Church because the Church needs our prayers, especially now when so much of this is going on that makes no sense. I heard uh, Jules Gomez, Dr. Jules Gomez from Church Militant last night. I did too. And he, he mentioned that he read the book. He, had, yep. he got a, a, a copy right. weeks before yep. it was released. Yep. And, and uh, he said that when he read it, he says it's it's not going to tell us anything that we don't already no, it know. Confirms what we already. Yeah, it's going it's going to confirm what we know from, for example, from example, the dictator pope by Henry Sire. Yep, that's, I read It's going to confirm uh, lost shepherd. Now Pope Francis is misleading the flock by Philip Lawler. It's going to confirm uh, the book to change the church. Pope Francis and the future of Catholicism by Ross Duhat. It's going to confirm what. It's called The Political Pope, How Pope Francis is Delighting the Liberal Left and Abandoning Conservatives by George Neumeyer. It's going to confirm what the book Pope Francis' Paradigm Shift by Jose Antonio Ureta. It's going to confirm the book Bad Shepherds by Rod Bennett. 
It's going to confirm the book, Defending the Faith Against Heresies by Dr. John R.T. Lamont. <laughs> All of these are highly respected Catholic scholars and thinkers. Uh, again, I, I don't th- nothing but the truth, which, is, which was released immediately after the funeral of Pope Benedict XVI. Uh, we've already kind of known, if you remember, Terry, there was a movie that came out. It was called... The, it was kind of a fourth-rate film called The Two Popes. Yeah. It appeared on the big on the screens. Yes. And uh, and so I know the public, understandably, they're hungry to know the relationship between Pope Emeritus Benedict Sixteenth and the current Pope Francis, what it was really like behind the scenes, not what Hollywood says. So it'll be interesting to see. But again, I think there's been so many books already written. I don't, in my opinion, I don't think we're going to uh, get any new revelation. No, like I said, it's just going to confirm what we already know. Yeah. And this is, again, right. praying for the vigor of Christ. He's supposed to confirm us in our faith. Now, tomorrow, Jess and I have a special article regarding evangelization and what Francis has said. That's a teaser for tomorrow. <laughs> you won't want to miss it because this is what the church's mission is all about. Uh, Canon law says if souls... To save souls. Bishop Sheen said it. If souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. When we come back, we got a video regarding Roe versus Wade and what we should be focusing on with the unborn babies today right. in this battle, ever battle, to protect the least vulnerable, the most vulnerable people in our society, the unborn. Stay with us for that, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. I want you to listen to this short little video. Mm-hmm. It's by Edify Jean Mancini. She's the president of the March for Life, and she explains where the fight continues and why we must keep standing up for human life. Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip? Roe is gone, a goal we've marched for and prayed for since 1974. And the American people once again have a say in regulating abortion. So what's next? While there is an urgent need to make our voices heard in our state capitals, we must also continue to advocate for the unborn at the federal level. Why? Because even though Roe has been struck down by the United States Supreme Court, the question of abortion policy is still very much up for debate in the legislature. And sure enough, we're seeing pro-abortion members of Congress do everything in their power to enshrine abortion rights into federal law. Their bills are deceivingly titled, claiming to help women, but in reality, they would grievously harm countless mothers and babies born and unborn through legalizing abortion up until the moment of birth. And make no mistake, these bills do more than just uphold the pre-Dobbs status quo of codifying Roe into law. For example, one bill would nullify nearly all pro-life laws at the state level, a direct attack on the Dobbs decision. It would also remove limits on late-term abortions, parental consent notifications, and protection against discrimination based on sex, race, or disability. Another would eliminate the conscience rights of medical professionals to opt out of participating in the delivery of drugs and devices to which they have an ethical or religious objection. 
Yet another could be used to shield child abusers and sex offenders from civil and criminal liability if they try to transport women or girls across state lines for abortions. To add insult to injury, the intimidation and misinformation campaigns, as well as outright violence, continue to threaten the crucial work of pregnancy resource centers, which stand on the front lines of our movement, saving lives every day. The same centers and maternity homes, there are well over 3,000 of them around the country, provide hundreds of millions of dollars worth of free resources to women in need every year. The work to build a culture of life in America is far from over. By no means should the battles in Congress distract our efforts in the states. But we must realize that the fall of Roe means the legislative battle for life must now be fought on two fronts, both state and federal. I'm Jeannie Mancini, president of the March for Life for Edify. Well said. Yep. Uh, again, state and federal. we're, yep. we're going to be fighting this war oh, yeah. until the second coming of Christ. I agree. Th- this is and I'll tell you why, because this is one of the oldest sins uh, that we know in salvation history, it's child sacrifice, infanticide. Yep. This is a uh, – abortion is a blood sacrifice to Satan. They are not – the left, the woke, the, the Great Reset, these globalists, they are not going to give up. That's their sacrament. They said it. They yep. said that, that that exact phrase. Yep. And uh, – but here I find, I find it interesting. I mean yesterday was Martin Luther King Day. Yep. I find it interesting that – Everyone who supported slavery was free, and everybody who supports abortion has already been born. Yep. Isn't that a coincidence? No, there's a correlation there, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, there's an old Jewish uh, famous rabbi. He, he was like the St. Thomas Aquinas for mm-hmm. the Jews. His name's Rabbi Maimonides. He said this, Terry. Tell me. If you save one person's life, it's as if you save the whole world. Wow. So again, Rabbi Maimonides understood the importance of human life. I mean, he had he had again he he had uh, the Messiah's view. And, and speaking of the Messiah, remember Jesus Christ as, as Catholics. Yes, Jesus is pro life. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no argument there. Right. And since the Christian life is, is to be united with Jesus, then it stands to reason that we must be pro-life like our master like our founder like our king that's right anybody who wears the title of christian must be pro-life and if you're not pro-life and if you call yourself a catholic christian you're a fake catholic in mortal sin well said jesse and this is why it's so important that we keep fighting for life this is one of the things that i'll give a plug to bishop joseph strickland i never have a show with him once a week on wednesdays right after the terry and jesse show that he doesn't talk about the unborn because he said this is the issue of our time and we are going to be judged by how we uh, handle ourselves among the most vulnerable people of our culture, which are the unborn. So we have to stand up for them. Actually, I believe, Jesse, the bishop made the point that that this will be uh, one of our uh, prerequisites for being judged rightly is if we stood up for the unborn. I I have to agree with him. Terry, the niece of Mar- of uh, Reverend Martin Luther King, Dr. Alveda King, who uh, works with Father Frank Pavone, she says that the 
the the new abortion laws are not meant to punish women. They're meant to give babies civil rights. He's talking about the, uh, the, the all the pro-life legislation that was signed by Donald Trump. Right. He says these, these new abortion laws by Donald Trump, they're not meant to punish women. They're meant to give babies civil rights. It's yep. simple. It's a, because because uh, uh, God gave a woman a womb, not a tomb. That's right. W- women are life bearers, not not purveyors of death. And that's exactly what the Democrat Party has turned women to, into, Terry, into purveyors of death. I agree with you totally. And this is why we have to continue to speak up for the unborn, the innocent. And uh, we're going to continue to do that here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesse, to wrap up the whole aspect of the culture of death that we're dealing with and the culture of life that John Paul II talked about, and he was spot on, I'm convinced that the best approach to dealing with the culture of death is to, in season and out, proclaim the teachings of Jesus Christ and those perennial teachings he's taught through his church for 2,000 years. That's what I think is the best thing we can do to protect on the unborn and to to help people get to heaven. Yeah, that's what St. Paul says in the New Testament. Yep, yep. To, pre- to preach in season and out of season, yep. uh, you know, to re- to rebuke, uh, to teach, to reprove, to yep. instruct. Yep. And I'll tell you, Terry, tell me, we have Terry. we have science on our side. Yep. We have natural law on our side right. and we have truth on our side. And this is why the left wants to cancel Christian speech, especially Catholic Christian speech. Oh yeah. Because they can't stand that we have the truth on our side. And this is why, again, they're trying to do everything that they can to, uh, to implement the cancellation of those voices of truth. Again, because Jesus Christ told us, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Man. Terry, you remember Congressman Henry Hyde, a great I Catholic knew him, guy. yeah. I mean, yeah, 1976, yeah. the Hyde Amendment. He brought it in. God bless what a, what, him. You know, God bless him. That this, this man was a warrior. Yep. He, look at his an inspirational little quote from him that I found. He says, he he gave a pro-life talk, at, and he said, you're not alone, pro-lifers. He says, when the time comes, as it surely will, when we face that awesome moment, the final judgment, yep. I've often thought, as Fulton Sheen wrote, that it is a terrible moment of loneliness. Mm. You have no advocates you are there alone standing before God and a terror will rip your soul like nothing you can imagine. Mm. But I really think that those in the pro-life movement will not be alone. I think there will be a chorus of voices that have never been heard in this world but are heard beautifully and clearly in the next world. And they will plead for everyone who has been in this movement. They will say to God, Spare him. I love it because he loved us. Congressman, <laughs> so beautiful, Henry Hyde. Awesome. May he rest in peace. What you know, he's done so much for the pro-life movement. I remember re- meeting him at HLI conferences and recording his talks. And uh, you know what I noticed about him too, Jesse? He was a very humble man. I would think, oh, don't thank me. Any good that I do comes from God. I thank him for it. Wow. He was quoting Fulton Sheen. So, wow. you know, that's the kind of guy that he was. And he was the real deal. So I thank God for men like that. We need more men and women to stand up for life like he did. Yeah, Terry. And, and let's, just, let's just be honest. Yep. Uh, the abortion industry is demonic. Of course plain, it is. It comes from the pit of hell. Simple. Yeah. Plain and simple. It, they're not like, oh, they're just, 
you know, misguided. misinformed, no, no, misguided. No. Come on, Jesse. They, they put poor formation. No, no way. it's demonic and they know it because they know, Terry, for many years they were saying it's a tissue. It's not human. It's a piece. It's just a clump of cells. Now that we have all the science that says it's a human being. Yeah. Now they say, yeah, you know what? We knew it all the time. We knew, but we don't care. And yeah. now we're, we're telling you to your face, yeah. we have the right to kill that baby in our stomach. Yeah, we know, it's a, we know it's not tissue. We've been lying for 30 years. We've known it all along. It's a baby, and we're going to kill it, and, and so what? Because we got Biden in the, in the White House, and what are you going to do about it? Yeah, you know, Jesse, that's how bold they are now. Yeah, there was a right. time when they wouldn't say that. Okay? No. They but, were like, keep oh, it, keep keep it uh, rare. Rare. Uh, Clintons used to say that. Yeah, the Clinton Rare. Uh, yeah, the three phrases, I forget. I forget it, but you know what I mean. They didn't, they said, we're just going to do it when we have to. And it became, you know, routine. That's the slippery slope statement there. Oh, you know, either we see, here's the challenge. We're black and white Catholics, Jesse. You know what? Simple. We're, I, I said this to a priest friend this morning. I said to a Monsignor, I said, you know, the problem with Jesse and myself, Monsignor, we're, um, we're two evangelical Catholics who don't go of right versus left. We're right versus wrong. Things are either right or wrong. And so you sometimes they'll call uh, Terry, I got it. Fundamentalist. The, le- yeah. the left used to say, let's keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. And rare. That was it. That was a Clinton line. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That was a Clinton line. You, you nailed it. So, Jess, here's the point. <clears throat> we are going to always speak the truth in charity because one of the— spiritual works of mercy, okay, is to admonish the sinner. When someone is in error and you don't speak out, you're committing a sin of omission. That's my take. That's right. Amen. That's a wrap, Terry. You've been listening to the Terry and Jesse show. Yep. This is where uh, we're going to be firing missiles of truth into the wall of lies. And uh, we're called to be great saints. Don't miss the opportunity. Live in a state of sanctifying grace. Don't live in a state of mortal sin. Yep. Pray your rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. And remember, pray hope and don't worry. Worry is useless. You got it. And Jess says always to stay in the state of grace by doing that. And I want to mention again Our Lady of Fatima. Read the Fatima message, everyone. One of the things that was so powerful is when she talked about hell in July of 2017. And that people are falling into the pit so easily because of sins of the flesh. But she also said, hey, we need to be praying for souls because... Souls are needing prayer because souls go to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Let's do that. Sign me up for doing that to help souls confined to the teachings of Christ. May God bless you.